You are listening to the IoT for All Media Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IoT for All podcast on the IoT for All Media Network. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, one of the co-creators of IoT for All. Now, before we jump into this episode, please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or join our newsletter at IoTforAll.com slash newsletter to catch all the newest episodes as soon as they come out. Are you tired of overspending on data plans? Do you need more consistent coverage? Are you over-negotiating complicated contracts? Well, Simon IoT gets it. That's why they offer customized, transparent data services across the globe. Flexible contracts, taxes, and fees included in one simple price and user-friendly data management, your data is in your control. Their LTE SIM cards are scalable to your needs regardless of the industry you're in or the devices you need connected. Learn more at simoniot.com IFA. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the IoT for All podcast. Welcome, Vincent, to the IoT for All show. Thanks for being here this week. Hey, Ryan. Nice to meet you and uh, great to, to be on air. Yeah, I'm very excited about this conversation. Looking forward to it. Uh, let's start off by having you give a quick introduction to your, about yourself to our audience, background, experience, you know, anything, any stories from the past that would be relevant to, to our audience to get a better sense of who we're listening to. Uh, sure. My name is uh, Vincent Corsagne. Um, I worked at ARM for the last 20 years. And in the last five years at ARM, we were looking at uh, IoT, really obviously very important, but also the security angle. And uh, the initiative we took in ARM around security angle uh, led to a a new uh, product we have created in a company called Keegan. Uh, And that company called Keegan is being spun out out of ARM uh, to stand on its own and uh, help um, cellular IoT uh, initially uh, to make sure that we got really good security baked in and designed in from the start. Fantastic. So let's talk a little bit more about about Keegan itself as a company and what you all do, um, kind of the focus of the company, general overview, the role you all play in IoT, all that kind of good stuff. Great. That's great. Um, so I think you know, it's very much going to the heart of security. Because security starts with identity. Uh, identity is effectively the, the master key of the device, if you will, the master key of your uh, of your uh, your asset. Uh, and identity is really important when it comes to security because that identifies and decrypts the communication to the to the device. So what we thought about when we think about identity, we think well, there's a couple of technologies in the market that are really strong. And one of the technology is, is the, the SIM card. And the SIM card is strong and trusted because now we all use our banking app. Uh, our banking app very often wants a two-factor authentication. And that's effectively based in the SIM technology. So when we're thinking about uh, IoT and we think, okay, well, how can we use that SIM? And uh, there's a standard emerging called eSIM, where they take the SIM uh, out of the little tray on the site and actually, you know, solder it down to the board. Um, uh, that's really nice and you can close the tray because, because that's you know, for an IoT device very inconvenient. And we kind of went, okay, well, if you do that onto the board, so you can actually integrate this into the chip. This is where the ARM heritage comes. ARM is a, uh, a supplier of, uh, of silicon IP, uh, very much kind of used to, uh, to help integrate larger companies' uh, different systems onto one chip. And we thought, well, we can do the same with the SIM, integrate it onto the, the chip, and it's come something like an iSIM. And the nice thing of that is much smaller form factor, much better, better battery life, and a lot cheaper as well. So you can think about these things not no longer having now the, the big physical thing on the side, but actually really cheap everywhere. And we believe that now identity uh, can be very strongly defended by this ISIM. Now, as a company, we're probably about 130, 140 people. Uh, obviously, now that's quite a big startup, but um, we believe that uh, security is really important, so you need to invest. Uh, yeah. There are very high standards with the GSMA on, on how to keep the SIMs secure, how to keep the you know, eSIM and iSIM secure. Uh, and that's something that we're working on. Uh, and we really have seen a lot of traction recently uh, as people can realize the power of the of the SIM. And I'm sure we can talk a little bit more about that uh, later in the interview. 
Yeah, tell me a little bit more about the security piece. We we talk about security here on the podcast a decent amount, but not really as it connects to the connectivity and the, the SIM side of things. So tell me a little bit more about kind of what that means, what it entails when we're talking about SIM security, um, how it's being done or how it's been done in the past and kind of, you know, what's being done now and, and why it's so important. Yeah, well, identity is important for anything, right? So identity is used for multiple things, uh, the device identity, but the other uh, use of it is uh, is network identity. And, uh, and obviously the, the big MNOs have uh, for years been defending their network. Uh, this is how SIM evolved uh, as, a, as a secure identifier, secure identity module, right? To uh, make sure that uh, the, uh, the security is really strong. And has evolved over many years. Uh, and once you have that on a device, like for instance, an iSIM, it's integrated. Yes, it is doing your network authentication. Oh, sorry, network authentication. Uh, but it's also you know, can be used for other things. We have an initiative called IoT Safe. Uh, together with the GSMA, where um, you effectively use that little crypto box, little crypto uh, vault, if you will, on your device for other things. Uh, and in that case, we're kind of restoring um, your TLS certificate, which is your communication certificate. So you could now mm-hmm. uh, directly go to your cloud vendor and take this device and, and be recognized as a secure and trusted device and, and, and enroll straight into their uh, communication layer. And, and once you have that, you can go up to the next level. Actually, the same crypto um, uh, vault, if you will, can be used for the root of trust, which effectively means uh, signing the whole device. I'm not sure if you're, I'm sure your listeners know some of this, but uh, it's good to to reiterate. So signing the whole device. So it also gives you very, very strong um, kind of rollout to the rest of the device. So you start in the network, yeah, that's very important, but then actually you can build up to the rest of what the device is doing and make the device really trusted and strongly defended. Similarly, uh, the SIM also has no, there's management software for the eSIM. And again, that management software can be used to make sure that the eSIM is up to date, that the uh, the secure secure OS on the eSIM or iSIM is up to date. So again, this is over the air updates. It's also kind of automatically automatically designed into the uh, this security solution. Fantastic. So now we've kind of covered at least a high level what you all do. We talked a little bit about security. Tell me about any use cases, deployments, you know, initiatives on the IoT front that are out in the real world that that you know you guys are proud of that you're comfortable talking about on the podcast. Just to kind of bring this all full circle, so our audience can kind of see how your offering is being used out in the market right now. Sure. Um, well, cellular IoT right, has, a, has a big advantage. The biggest advantage is that uh, you don't have to get on the, onto someone's Wi-Fi. It just connects out of the box anywhere in the world. I think that is the key use case for cellular IoT. Um, but now, if you look at a uh, 4G modem in your mobile phone, that's probably an order of magnitude more expensive than something you can use today. So as an industry, we've been pushing really hard to get that price down, uh, to make it you know, uh, more u- uh, usable, but not only get the price down, also get the size down. Because clearly a mobile phone has a certain size, uh, but if you go to IoT devices, they can be a lot smaller. You might the use cases uh, kind of require you to, to be a lot smaller, and that is one of our initiatives around iSIM. Right? The integration of the SIM into the uh, other chips helps with that uh, form factor. That's a bit of a long answer, but I'll, I'll get there. So once the form, you look at the form factor, so it gets smaller. So this opens up new use cases. Um, the, way, the way I kind of I used to I kind of like to describe it. Remember the iPod. Um, the yep. iPod was a, you know, a massive change because uh, Apple realized that the small hard, hard drives could be embedded into a music player. Now with iSIM and the, you know, uh, making smaller of, the, uh, of the, the radio, we can actually start putting this uh, radio into much smaller use cases. And one of the use cases we're really proud of is with Sony. It's called a smart tracker. Um, it's effectively a tracker which is uh, printed plastic. So everything's plastic, everything's printed. Uh, the battery is printed, um, the circuit board is printed, everything is printed, apart from the chip. 
one chip, you want to stick on there. Uh, clearly, you don't want to have two or three chips because now every chip right. has the has the problem of now making sure it sticks right. So you don't want to make too many uh, no, uh, brittle uh, uh, solid parts. So you take one chip, and then effectively everything is printed. Now this is used for very high and at the moment very high uh, value tracking. Uh, think about vaccines, right? Very nice uh, example at the moment. Uh, some of the vaccines have to be um, minus. Uh, Fahrenheit uh, Celsius, but anyway, minus uh, 20, minus 40 Celsius. Um, I think that is something like minus 20 uh, Fahrenheit. And how okay. do you make sure that when you're tracking it and you're, you're, you're moving into your, your logistics chain, how do you make sure it actually was in the right condition? Now, uh, and when it arrives, that you signify the, uh, the user or the uh, sorry, the, uh, the owner of the uh, of the package that it has arrived. So that's really nice use case where you can see that the, the smallness of iSIM is really driving and opening up new uh, uh, new use cases. I have a few Fantastic. more if you want me to uh, just keep going. Or you yeah, want to yeah, ask. yeah, yeah. No, I, I, we love use cases. So yeah, I'd love to hear more. Um, the other one is, uh, no, I can't name the manufacturer, but I know some manufacturers are uh, no, uh, trialing something called hair as a surface. Um, so what is hair as a surface? You, you, kind of, uh, you ask, or good hair as a surface? Um, it's effectively uh, a hair straightener. I'm not sure if you're familiar with these, but uh, yes, they, they, uh, the, the, a lot of women use them to straighten their hair. Uh, and in that hair straightener, there's actually a lot of sensors. And the sensors can uh, do things like determine the, the dryness of the hair, the, uh, the thickness of the hair, um, okay. the burntness of the hair. And if you can communicate that back to the factory, right, back to the supplier, you can actually start offering other services. And uh, you can offer services uh, for things like you know, uh, better products uh, to make sure if your hair is dry, maybe you want to use this. If your hair is uh, uh, too fatty, maybe you want to use this. So you can see it becomes now a kind of good hair as a surface we call that um, and again those hair straighteners are quite small so you don't have a lot of space uh, you do have right. a lot of power uh, but from a space point of view that's kind of an interesting use case that I uh, make me giggle uh, so that's why I bring, bring it up regularly um, other ones are you know, more in the you know, industrial automation, automation, things about uh, chemical meters, uh, sure. water, water meters, where things have to operate on a battery. Um, iSIM standby power is about a tenth of the standby power of, uh, of, the, of a normal SIM. Uh, so again, mm-hmm. it helps you, uh, you know, uh, lengthen that battery life to, uh, to, to uh, three years, five years, 10 years. So that's another kind of gotcha. use cases we're seeing, seeing quite a lot of people um, uh, using. Great. So when we talk about kind of cellular IoT in a general sense, are there any, um, I guess, how would you kind of distinguish between the types of use cases that are best suited for cellular IoT as a connectivity option, as opposed to other connectivity options out there, like LPWIN, things like that, uh, you know, options like LoRa and, um, and, and so forth. Like how, how would you um, kind of if you were talking to somebody to say cellular is best for these types of use cases, it may not be as best suited for these types of use cases, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so generally, I think uh, cellular is best for for anything that Wi-Fi uh, uh, is also used for today. Uh, and the benefits over Wi-Fi are that you know, that's, it connects everywhere, so you don't have to have a, a an enter password because that's where the SIM is for, that the, the identity strongly defended, built into the de- device. Um, so most of the kind of us talking to a, um, a washing machine vendor, and, and they have you know, Wi-Fi in the washing machine. Um, I know if you have Wi-Fi in your washing machine, I do. Um, I have 
not connected to my network because you know, I can't see the use for me uh, as a consumer. But actually, from a manufacturer point of view, they would like to understand my usage. Um, and the fact that right. I don't put it on the Wi-Fi is annoying for them uh, because they can't <laughs> get the usage. So if they had a you know LP1 uh, solution, um, uh, like a 4G or 5G, you know, uh, low power uh, wide area network uh, cellular IoT, um, then they could actually get that information and they could you know understand how the machine is used, how to improve the machine, how to maybe even uh, get some uh, some advertising and a little screen onto the washing machine. So that's really useful. Now, the, the thing that's holding it back, obviously, you know, what's the, what's the downside? Why, why is not everybody doing that? Is currently because the price point is a little higher than, than Wi-Fi. Now, that is coming down really quickly. And I think that's what you know, the industry uh, is really focusing on around uh, uh, the low-power uh, cellular IoT networks uh, to make sure that that price point becomes you know, very competitive to Wi-Fi. And in that case, then, then you start using Wi-Fi on those low-bandwidth um, uh, low uh, kind of solutions. Um, if you compare it to other networks like Bluetooth, well, clearly Bluetooth is a very different uh, radio standard, uh, much more for short, right. uh, short, uh, short distance, but also way lower power. Right? So, so Bluetooth is probably you know, not something um, that's, that's, uh, that this could uh, go into in the, the, into that area. Um, I think LoRa you, you mentioned. So LoRa is, uh, is interesting, but uh, LoRa needs its own base stations. So LoRa doesn't work everywhere in the world, and, and LoRa is probably more if you are on an industrial site and, and uh, you have your own LoRa network. Um, <clears throat> that might be very possible, but then you have you put your own little LoRa base stations in, uh, maybe you know, your shopping mall. Uh, that's that is really uh, feasible, but you can't then benefit from uh, taking this same uh, same gadget and, and moving it to a different country or a different uh, different environment. Uh, right. Because obviously, you know, unless you, you know, take the base station with it, right? I think that's the the strength of the cellular IoT. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. I appreciate you breaking that down. Um, sure. And we, you know, here we hear a lot about just cellular IoT in general and kind of how it's on the rise, you know, uh, with 5G and so forth. And would you kind of, how would you, how do you think about uh, the, the factors that are contributing to the rise of cellular IoT? You know, is this an advent of 5G or is there something else that's really contributing to it? Um, uh, well, uh, yeah, it depends a little bit on the use case, right? So, if you look at the low, the low power use case, the uh, the small data the use case, I think it's the you know the advent of the uh, the cat cat M modems, uh, okay. or the, the the narrowband IoT modems. So, it's the, the really low power, uh, low throughput modems. Uh, I think in IoT, very interesting because very nice. If you look at a smart meter, it doesn't need a high high pipe. It doesn't need a, a big four G, five G high end um, uh, pipe to uh, to transport this data. Five uh, G mm-hmm. is integrating some of this, uh, right? The uh, the low power radio. The, uh, the low bandwidth radios uh, is kind of going to be native to, to the 5G standard. Uh, so that is kind of really, you know, um, allowing that uh, that uh, really to take off. Again, those radios tend to be a lot uh, lower price points. Uh, they, you know, the connection, connections tend to be a lot lower price points, so much, much more suitable and feasible for IoT. Mm. And then clearly, you know, uh, the, the more specialized use cases in, in 5G is the high bandwidth, where you can have your private network, uh, but still have your device also work, work on a public network. Uh, the kind of other things you know, uh, the operators can offer uh, to make sure that you know, they, they use the bandwidth uh, better and, and more targeted at, 5, uh, at, uh, sorry, at IoT. I'm not an expert in that, so more, more looking at the security side, but we are seeing quite a lot of new use cases. Um, and it's quite interesting to, uh, to talk to, to different vendors. That's fantastic. And, and can you give an overview to our audience kind of of the hardware and software like requirements or the needs for cellular IoT when they're kind of thinking about putting together a solution? You know, what, what's needed on their side and what's needed kind of from an infrastructure standpoint to, to make this work? Uh, so on the, on the device side, um, effectively, you, know, you need three chips. Uh, you need a, uh, no, a, a application chip, which runs maybe you know, Linux or, or, or a, an RTOS. 
Uh, you tend to need a radio chip um, uh, from one of the large radio makers or the, sm the small, small uh, innovators. And then you need a uh, security chip, uh, a SIM. Now, some uh, radio uh, makers offer a three-in-one. So they have both the application processor, uh, the radio and the SIM, uh, the iSIM in that case, uh, all three-in-one. So you need one chip instead of three, obviously a lot more, uh, a lot easier because it's pre-integrated uh, and you don't need a lot. Uh, you, you go to a module maker, um, like for instance, a, a um, Murata. Murata has just announced uh, one of their, uh, mm -hmm. their low-power modules, uh, which is effectively three-in-one, so a very, very small module. Uh, we also have a, a Simcom module uh, recently announced, very small, uh, near-band IoT radio. Uh, so that is fitted on the device side, and they include also the application processor, so you can start running uh, small OSs on that and, and really drive them the form factor. Now, clearly you need an, uh, an antenna, because uh, that's important, but you need it for any ra uh, radio. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, a connectivity to a network to make sure that you, know, you have coverage either in the, the region you're in or maybe uh, a large worldwide uh, offering from an NV NVNO uh, that you have now right. coverage around the world. Uh, I think that's the, the interesting part, that you can, can have a uh, one SKU, you know, create something in Taiwan, ship it to, uh, to Canada or to an Australia. Mm. Uh, it will just work no, no matter where it goes without having to do a lot of complicated right. SKU management. Great. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And when it comes to kind of the verticals that we are seeing, maybe the earliest adoption or that stand to gain the most from this transition um, into, you know, more cellular IoT applications being deployed, where do you, do you see any verticals that are kind of standing out or do you see any verticals that I guess are primed to benefit the most from from this as as it becomes more popular and, you know, 5G gets out there even more and so forth? Um, I think all the verticals, that's not, not, not as interesting an answer. So yeah. the, thing, the thing we're seeing is uh, medical trackers. So I think it initially okay. a lot around trackers. So we've, seen, we've seen kind of a couple of, couple of companies working. Yeah, it's like, I know, like your smartwatch, but then the medical, medically. Um, standalone doesn't need your phone, phone anymore uh, anywhere in the world. Uh, that's kind of a really interesting use case we're seeing. Uh, again, for a, a, a medical tracker, think about a Fitbit, but then you know, a, a medical uh, uh, version of it. Uh, that has to be really small, has to be really light, but it has to kind of not use a lot of battery, uh, but and use, usable around the world. Um, the other thing is, uh, is what we call micro mobility uh, scooters. We're seeing a lot of scooters coming with. You, know, uh, you want to be able to, to deploy a scooter in any city around the world. And now your startup of scooters, uh, you have big plans. So you definitely want uh, to be able to connect everywhere with the same hardware. Uh, so we're seeing scooters uh, as, a, as a prime uh, example, not as much around the, um, uh, the, uh, kind of the, the form factor, because clearly there's enough space on the scooter, but maybe the battery life uh, and the integration, uh, the, the iSIM and the eSIM uh, really offers a benefit as well as the cellular IoT. Gotcha. So those are kind of use cases we're really see, seeing to now, uh, taking off very rapidly. Okay, that's great. And you mentioned throughout our conversation, like uh, when we're talking about SIMs, you're talking eSIMs, you talked about iSIMs. Can you just again iterate on just what the difference between people hear eSIMs versus iSIMs and if, you know, kind of how they differ, if at all? Sure, sure. No, they, they differ. Um, and I went over it really fast. So, so now let's start with the SIM. Right? The SIM is the thing that you put in your mobile phone, right? And, and that's great. Again, trusted. Uh, people uh, use it. So it's been attacked many times, defended many times. So it's shown that uh, yeah, the, right, right. The, the, the tracks in the industry that know this is a really secure, secure solution. Um, the drawback of a SIM, it's quite large, right? It, it takes up a lot of space because you need a little tray um, to, for the SIM to slide into. 
Secondly, uh, the power usage is quite high because no, the, the tray doesn't have a really good electrical uh, connection. And thirdly, the mm. tray you know, um, uh, designers you know, drives them furious to have a have a hole in their in their beautiful design. Um, or if you know in, in industrial, there might be dust or water coming into that hole. So, so that's not uh, not perfect. Uh, also, um, when you're in this industrial in somewhere in a big machine, having to, to change the SIM card uh, because you are you know, your your operator changes or you get a better deal or they go out of business uh, isn't really you know uh, isn't ideal. So the industry right. came with something which is called an eSIM. Okay. Now eSIM is that same SIM card, but then take away the plastic and solder it down onto the motherboard of the device. Right? If you have like a PC motherboard or a phone, very similar, so it's a little motherboard for, uh, for an IoT device, they solder it down. Right. But when they solder it down, you can no longer change uh, the SIM and you change supplier. So what then happens is they have a very secure server uh, <coughs> called an, an RSP, Remote SIM Provisioning Server, that manages okay. that eSIM. So when you want to change supplier, uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that server can then effectively download a new profile, we call that. And the profile uh-huh. is, for instance, now if you go from uh, from uh, T-Mobile to AT&T uh, or, no, or from Vodafone or uh, to, to, to Orange, right, right. Um, you can download a new profile and that then enables new connectivity. Not gotcha. a, a really high secure. The eSIM is a, is a lot secure, more secure than the, than the SIM itself because it's a gotcha. different use case uh, and okay. can m- move around the world. Now, iSIM is that same eSIM, but instead of soldered down onto the uh, onto the, the motherboard, you now integrate it into one of the other chips. So the chip itself dis- mm. disappears and becomes part of a larger chip. It's still all there. All the security defenses are still there. It's just in the corner of, of a larger chip. Say the radio chip is the most obvious uh, uh, solution for this, but it could be you know, the, the power uh, the power uh, usage chip or the application processor gotcha. chip. Uh, there are multiple ways, but it effectively dis- disappears and uh, becomes a corner of another chip. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I appreciate you breaking that down. No. Um, the last question I wanted to ask you before we kind of wrap up here is, a lot of our audience out there, you know, is is involved in, in IoT deployments, whether they're working with a company to, to have a, a solution built or they're doing it themselves. So how does a company know where to start when they're kind of embarking on their cellular IoT journey? Um, just kind of any advice, you know, um, talk about kind of that starting period, what they should be thinking about and then just general advice they should have throughout the process to maybe avoid any common pitfalls, you know, anything like that, just to kind of ensure better success when they're getting involved in cellular IoT. Yeah, so I think now the key thing is to start with module makers, right? Um, uh, okay. Module makers effectively create the little module, which is the, the radio chip, maybe with an application chip, but the radio chip for you. Uh, that's kind of something you can then put onto your, uh, onto your design. Because making radios is quite hard, uh, and the module maker has done all the hard work. They have not only created the module, they have tested the module, and they have now got an approval from the MNO to actually use that module onto their onto the network. So, for, especially for the low volumes, it just doesn't make sense to make, create your own module. You just go to the the, the large module makers, be that Murata, Simcom, uh, Quicktel, or many uh, many mm. different ones. Uh, you cr- 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 kind of look at the different you know, aspects you want. If you want a high throughput radio, low throughput radio, what about power usage? Uh, those things you're kind of you're, you're, uh, you're kind of look at and you integrate it. Now, if you were you know, at some point as a startup, come, become the size of Apple, then clearly you, you design everything yourself. But I think initially you just use that, um, that, that module uh, up to you know, quite high volumes before that makes sense to, to kind of take that module apart and put it on your own, your own design. Uh, because right. again, that, that is quite quite complicated. And those module makers have uh, development boards, uh, things you can try. Uh, so, so you can now start uh, rigging up some of your design in the lab, clearly not on the same s- small form factor, but to, to making sure that functionally it all, at all, at all functions. 
Fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's been great. This conversation has been very insightful. I really appreciate you taking the time um, to kind of break down cellular IoT to this level and kind of talk about how it applies, where it's, you know, where we see the growth, the future of it and that kind of thing. I do want to ask that if um, if anybody out there is listening, and wants to learn more about kind of what you all have going on, uh, has any follow up questions, what's the best way to reach out and engage? Uh, so we are quite, uh, quite active on LinkedIn. Uh, so we have a page okay. on LinkedIn, Keegan, uh, on LinkedIn or Keegan.com, our website. Um, and also feel free to email me directly, um, vincent.corsanje at Keegan.com. More than happy to, uh, to, to maybe, uh, I might not be the right person to answer your question, but more than happy to, do, to redirect uh-huh. your, uh, your questions. Um, um, but again, yeah, we are quite active on social, social media on the LinkedIn side. So more than happy to have a conversation in public or, or in private if you want us uh, to do that, uh, reaching out via our email addresses. Fantastic. And any um, any any news or any announcements coming out of the of the company in the coming months so that our audience should be on the lookout for? Uh, yeah, yes, we have uh, quite a few, which obviously now because they aren't announced yet, there are secrets. But uh, now we have uh, we ah. are, uh, so a couple of uh, the, uh, the large MNOs are working with us. We're seeing a good traction, so we'll be, uh, be announcing that. Um, we have already uh, announced the Simcom uh, and the Murata modules uh, we work with. Uh, we are looking at other um, uh, module makers, so, so that'll be, be announcing. And obviously now, uh, just like you, we are very excited about use cases. Um, I, I know a couple of use cases around um, uh, dog trackers, uh, like a Fitbit, mm-hmm. bit Fitbit for your dog uh, to make sure that your dog yeah. sleep, sleeps enough. But in my case, my dog sleeps all the time, so I'm sure uh-huh. it's fine. But it's got a couple of these things, kind of interesting use cases where they, they take these things down to, uh, to kind of a, a much smaller level, uh, which is really interesting for us to, uh, to see what we can en- enable. The, you know, the iPod moment it is really what I'm, right. I'm looking forward to in the, in the, in the market. And we're seeing uh, more and more people think, start to think differently and actually use cellular IoT where they previously weren't even thinking of that. Fantastic. Well, Vincent, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate your time and kind of shedding light on a lot of different topics connected to cellular IoT. Really appreciate you being here. Um, and thanks again. Yeah, th- thank you for, for having me. And uh, if you ever have more questions, more than happy to appear again. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'd love to have you back. All right, everyone. Thanks again for joining us this week on the IoT for All podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a rating or review and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Also, if you have a guest you'd like to see on the show, please drop us a note at ryan.iotforall.com and we'll do everything we can to get them as a featured guest. Other than that, thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.